Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org, where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Alice. Hi, everyone. Um, so glad to be here. Uh, my name is Alice. I'm a compulsive eater. And um, happy birthday to Lucy and Teresita. Um, and also congratulations to the chip takers. Um, I have a five-year-old and a dog and uh, Mercury retrograde just started. So. Um, Anything can happen, just saying that. <laughs> um, but I think we should be good. Um, uh, so I um, came, also thank you Tara for inviting me to speak here. I uh, feel very nervous and have listened to this um, podcast many times and um, feel grateful for the opportunity to share my story here. Um, so I first came into OA um, when in the year 2000. I was just realizing the other day that I was 27 when I came in, and um, and you know um, somebody in a meeting was sharing about 27 being kind of this age where people kind of fall apart or um, rock stars die and things like that, and uh, and that. But thankfully, um, that's when I found OA and uh, somebody had uh, mentioned OA to me before, a um, couple of years before and or I just noticed that she did like strange things with her food like she weighed it sometimes or she like had very specific portions and it just seemed very um, organized and kind of specific. And I was like, what is this thing you do with your food? And she was like, oh, that's, I go to OA. And I'm really grateful for her, um, for her for sharing that because, you know, she could easily have just said, oh, I, you know, have something I need to manage my food or, you know, she, but she um, probably noticed something in me and, and mentioned that. So I'm, I'm really grateful for that. Um, but um, where, um, how it was for me before program is um, I grew up in a household, um, a couple of households with, um, you know, addiction and mental illness. And um, I, I, so, um, and around the time that I was seven or so, like my family split, split and things got kind of traumatic for me. And um, I, I, I don't know, you know, if um, I noticed after that was after that is when I have memories about food um, after that experience. But I don't, you know. But I also one thing about this program that has been really good for me and working with my sponsor is that and and with the big book is that I I realized that I'm also an addict because I come from a, a family with addiction problems. I was often on the side of like, oh, everybody has this problem and I was always trying to fix everything and that's another program that I go to. But but I didn't realize that like I 
I also am an addict and the way that I use food is the way an addict uses substance. So that was really good for me to recognize. And um, so, um, so there was already all this sort of um, genetics and then all this, you know, sort of um, chaos and um, food was sort of the first thing that I discovered that could help take me away or give me some kind of comfort in that um, in that area. And uh, food was a really big part of my family. And we, we really, there's a lot of, um, you know, gatherings around food and, and really amazing food and things like that. So, um, so it was, um, it was kind of, yeah, I guess early on that I sort of discovered that um, I could use food for um, the things I needed that I didn't feel that I was getting during that time. So, um, but it didn't really cause a problem for me or I didn't really recognize that it was a problem for me until I was probably in my early twenties. And um, I came, I, I come from Maine, I live in Maine now, but, um, I, um, you know, it's kind of rural and there wasn't really a big diet. Like I wasn't really aware of a lot of like dieting stuff or, um, or just aware of diets at all. Like it sort of wasn't a thing that was kind of around me. Um, but I did know that like, I was a little bit bigger than other, other people, some other people. And, um, and I started to feel uncomfortable around that when I was like in my teens and um, and start to think about um, how I could manage my weight. And um, I, at some point took up cigarettes and kind of lived on like cigarettes and coffee for a period of time in my early, late teens and, um, and early twenties. And, um, but once I um, let, sort of let go of those things that definitely the food was um, there. And um, I was, the way that I ate was just basically that I ate all the time. I was never hungry ever, ever. I never felt hunger. Um, and if I did ever feel hunger, it was like an emergency situation. And, um, but most of the time I was just constantly um, throughout the day eating. And basically it was that if I ever felt uncomfortable or um, if I ever felt anything, you know, that was not how I wanted to feel, then the food was the tool that I had. That was the one tool that I know, knew I could rely on that was in my toolbox. And um, just an example of that is um, I remember that um, I went to Ikea and um, bought this bag of like red fish for my stepmother, like those Swedish fish, and then also got an ice cream cone. And then I was walking around eating the ice cream cone while I was like looking at everything. And while I was walking, it like dribbled on my shirt. And then I finished the ice cream cone and I looked at my shirt and I thought, you are so disgusting. Like you're so disgusting. And that thought, the only next step for me to take was to eat the Swedish fish after that thought. 
So it's like, it was the only tool that I had was like uh, the, the, I, I needed the food to fix the food <laughs> and to fix the weight and to fix everything. So, um, and, and then I, when I had, um, when I was in my mid twenties, I had moved to New York city and was very alone feeling, you know, alone and scared in the city. And um, I dropped off my friend. She was uh, going back to Maine. I dropped her off and I walked away and I was like, I was just in sort of terror at being alone by myself in this city and sad that she left and feeling all these feelings. And the only solution that I had was to stop and get a donut. And then, and, and I just remember walking through the, um, walking through the train station and crying while eating. And that was, that was another thing of my childhood too, is that the, when the chaos was going on, the food was kind of a, a way to like stop the crying from coming out, um, which was dangerous to do in that situation sometimes. So, um, so that's kind of how it was for me. And, you know, my weight sort of fluctuated probably like um, 15, 25 pounds up and down, up and down, depending on, um, there were times when I would get very, um, I would get very um, anxious and I would find it difficult to eat um, or I just wouldn't eat very much. I would sort of run on anxiety, but most of the time um, I was just consistently eating from morning until night. And um, so when I found program, I, in, in New York City is where I found it. And I was just amazed by, I never had experienced anything like a 12 step program before. And when I walked in the room, first of all, um, I have always been a very like spiritual person. Like I have, I'm always interested in everything spiritual. Like it's always interested me. So when I walked in, I was like, oh my God, like, oh my God, people are talking about spirituality. Like that's, that. The, even that was like kind of amazing to me that people were talking about spirituality. And then people were laughing and I was like, oh my God, people are laughing and they're talking about food. And, um, and I just, there was like such a, a relief of um, shame that happened when that, when I first walked into that, to those first meetings in New York. Um, and a realization that I, that I, that I didn't, um, that I wasn't alone. I think that was the, the biggest thing. Like I wasn't alone in this like sort of private hell that I was in of trying to control myself and my weight and all of that. So, so I was in program in New York at, for about six years and abstinent and had a food sponsor and had a step sponsor and my life grew um, and I was able to show up for my life and uh, I ended up going to grad school and I met my husband, my future husband. And, um, you know, as my life grew, I started to drift away from program and because I didn't have time. And I also started, it's like, I always um, try to stay close to program now because I, I feel like the farther away I got from program, the less sense it made to me. And the closer that I stay to program, the more sense it makes to me. Like I need to hear it to have it like kind of running around in my veins and my, and my, and my, between my ears, you know? Um, so I left, I left program and I, 
And that was the time in between when I was in program, it was about six years. And when I came back that I started sort of trying to um, control my weight in ways that I heard other people were doing, um, you know, like not eating carbs or this or that, or like these different kinds of things. And, um, and I, um, during that time I moved out to Los Angeles and uh, I also started um, the, the other program. Uh, I realized that I was, you know, that I was from an alcoholic um, family situation and I started the other program. But after I had been in the other program for a while, I really realized that like, I, I wasn't able to sort of really get in there and and um, work on healing while there was the food issue because I I couldn't ever quite get past the food issue. It's like I, that was my major problem. And so I could never really start to work on like anything below that. Um, it would always be that. It would always be, okay, how am I going to lose this weight? How am I going to control my eating? How am I going to stop eating this? Maybe I need to be vegan. Maybe I need to do this. Maybe I need to do that. And sort of a new project like every week. And then that um, sort of, you know, that terrible feeling of saying, okay, I'm not going to do this again. I'm not going to do this again. And then just like moments later doing it again and um, feeling. And I think that that was a, a big part of me actually come finally being willing and surrendering and to come back to program because I spent about a year trying to kind of get claw my way back. Um, but during that time, I was very resistant and I was, I didn't want to do anything anybody told me to do. I didn't, I wanted, I wanted to do it my way and I wanted to um, sort of maintain some idea of like being in charge of, of things. And um, that didn't work. Um, but I realized like the food you always used to be a tool for me. And I realized that before I came back the second time that it's like, it didn't even work anymore. Like the tool didn't work anymore. So really I had no tools whatsoever now that I didn't have the food, but thankfully OA like stayed in my head and thank God you guys are still here. So, um, so I had a, um, I think I had been trying to come back and there was this tiny little meeting I was going to that was wonderful and they were so kind to me and I was like never going to stop eating sugar no matter what I was not going to stop eating sugar and nobody was going to tell me to stop eating sugar. And um, I would get a shake on the way to the meeting to make sure that like to reward myself for going to the meeting. Um, but I just found, I realized I had, I actually had my daughter um, and during the pregnancy, I was just in a constant battle with sugar, like the whole time and a huge battle. And I was, you know, borderline diabetic and all this stuff. And, um, and it just, it, it, it finally got me to my knees. And I realized once my daughter was born that I wanted to be able to be present for her and wanted to be able to be the, the mother that I hoped to be and uh, and show up for her. And I couldn't do that. I couldn't work on the family dynamics and all that stuff. I couldn't work on that stuff until I started to deal with the food and I couldn't deal with the food alone. So 
I had taken this uh, woman's number at, a, at one meeting because she just um, made so much sense to me and she talked about being financially uh, mature, like growing up financial, like financially in the program. And she talked about um, her, you know, her struggles with food and she really spoke to me, but I was terrified to call her. And then after like probably a couple of months of having her number in my book, I, I gave her a call and she, she tells me that she like never picks up the phone. She was at work and she never picks up the phone at work, but she did. And, um, and she's my sponsor still. So I have, um, now five years of abstinence and, um, and my daughter's five and a half. So I came back when she was six months old. And, um, and I've, I've lost about 60 pounds. I'm maintaining about 60 pound weight loss. And, um, how it is for me today is that, um, food, food is a part of my life, but it's not the tool that I use to get through my life. And that is now the tool, the tools in my toolbox are, you know, a, a power greater than me, uh, which I have to work, really work on that relationship a lot and, um, and, you know, do meditation and prayer and, uh, sort of make the, like my sponsor says, it's sort of the seeking in the seeking we find. And so I have to be, I have to be in a state of seeking um, or else a lot of times or else I don't really feel that connection. And, um, you know, I have a food plan and I turn my food over every day uh, to my sponsor. And I've been doing that since for five years. And that just amazes me to think about how many text messages she has received from me with my food. And that is kind of a miracle. And um, I didn't want to turn my food over at first and was really scared to do that. And when I surrendered and said, okay, it was just so easy to start doing that. And so easy to just know what I was eating, eat what I planned. And there was so much grace in that. So, and, you know, I feel as a gift of this program, I, have been able to be present with my daughter. This last year has been really hard, I'm sure for many of us and the pandemic and having, uh, you know, having us all sort of in the home together all the time is a very different experience. And um, I'm really, really grateful for abstinence that I don't, It's it was a big thing for me not to eat um, I do have snacks now. I now I do one snack. I used to do two snacks, but it's important to me now. I realize to feel hunger and to recognize, like, oh, I'm hungry. Okay, then you know, I'll, it's time for my lunch. And food tastes better when you're hungry than when you're not hungry all the time. And that's really nice. Uh, so, and I'm working the steps, I'm on, I'm on the ninth step and I'm just starting with amends. And it, it feels, it feels really, really good to be, to know that um, my food is like a way for me to survive and show up and, and 
uh, be in my life. And it's not this constant project that I have every day of my life trying to figure out. And I used to spend my entire day pretty much trying to solve the problem about the food. And so I always like to remind myself that the, the one and a half hours that I spend on program, the time I spend turning over my food, the time I spend doing some um, literature or calling somebody is so much less than the time I spent every single day trying to sort out my food problem. And as a result, I do get to live a much bigger life. And I'm in that space right now where my life feels bigger than, um, than it has been. And Alice, um, it's 6.10. Okay, thank you. So um, yeah, so I think, let me think if there's anything else. Not open for questions. Yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to say like, you know, I when I came back, I I didn't want anybody to um, tell me not to eat sugar. And ultimately that decision to not eat sugar um, came from me and it came from a real, real honest moment with myself of understanding like, oh, I don't wanna do this fight anymore. I just don't want to get in the ring with it anymore. And I can, I can, but at the same time, um, I really value my life and, you know, fighting with sugar took up so much of my life and I, I want to do other things with my time. So, and that the clarity to be able to sort of recognize that just came from, being abstinent and also just being in contact with another human being about my food and letting another person see my food, like opening the doors to what I was doing. And it allowed me to start to really see with any sense of clarity and um, honesty what, what was going on. So I don't eat sugar today and, and I'm really grateful for that. And I do feel that it has created um, a, a real sort of sense of balance in my life that I, that I didn't get when I was, you know, kind of always, um, in the sugar. So I think that's all I, I think that's all I, I have at the, at the moment. And I'd love to hear if you have any questions and thank you for letting me be of service today. Thank you so much, Alice. Alrighty, please, um, if you have any questions, you can click on the reactions at the bottom of the page and I'll go ahead and call on you. Okay. Courtney S. Yes, thanks. Uh, thank you for the lead. And I have a question. Do you find still during your day that the food calls or that you struggle or like in other words however you characterize it and if that happens to you in the in your day-to-day -day, what do you do what tools do you reach for um i have i have found that there's been a few times especially um recently 
you know, with moving, we moved across the country and there's, there's been times when there's been a few times when I've thought, oh my gosh, I really would like to crunch something right now. Um, like that would make things better somehow. Um, and I think that really prayer and sort of connection with higher power is the primary thing that I turn to in those moments. Um, I do think that the tool of turning over my food really helps me with those kinds of moments too, because I've turned it over already and I don't, most of the time, I don't want to change it, you know, or, you know, I just kind of want to leave it. So it's kind of, there's kind of a surrender in that. Um, and, and I, th there have been times when I've made calls as well, when there's been a food issue that's come up in those moments, but I'd say that prayer, prayer is sort of the primary. And when I connect to my higher, higher power, I remember that my higher power really wants me to be joyous, happy, and free. And, um, and really wants me to feel okay in my body and really wants me to feel because <laughs> a lot of times it's like when I want to go to the food, I don't want to feel. So, um, so then, you know, the connection helps me to feel. And then sometimes writing, writing comes out of that too, like just taking a few minutes to write. Um, thank you, Alice. Just wanted to mention um, some computers don't have the hand raised under reactions. So if you go to participants next to your name, you may also go ahead and raise your hand. Um, let's hear from Jesty. Hi, thank you. This is Jess, compulsive overeater, anorexic, bulimic. Um, thank you so much for your amazing lead. Um, what is your like prayer and meditation? Like, what does that look like? How do you talk to your higher power? Um, yeah, that's my question. Thank you. Yeah. So it's, it's really been different. Um, I'm, I, I do meditate and I try to meditate every day, um, as part of my, uh, as part of my morning routine. And sometimes I don't get to it until a little, little later, or sometimes I don't get to it at all, but I do consistently try to get, to get meditation in. And then prayer, um, you know, I, um, I do love the, the third and the seventh step prayer, especially about, um, you know, sort of um, letting go of my, letting go of my character defects so that I can be of service to others. And so I try, I try to um, say those prayers. And I also have sort of like a prayer that I developed on my own. That's um, sort of, uh, you know, just like kind of a, a longer prayer that's about um, being present in my life and being um, connected to something bigger than me and offering the gifts that I have to offer and not offering the gifts I don't have to offer. 
and uh, and then I pray most days I pray also for people I know, that I know are struggling right now um, as well at the end of that prayer so on a typical day I'll do like 10 to 20 minutes of meditation and then um, say that prayer and usually at some point during the day I'll do the third or the seventh step prayer I also lately have been a lot doing the first second and third steps as kind of a prayer as well Thank you, Alice. Um, I think Rose had a question. I'm not sure if you would still like to ask her a question. Um, sure, she's definitely touched a lot on um, kind of the spiritual aspect. She had mentioned early in your talk uh, that you already had kind of a natural attraction toward things that were spiritual. Um, I guess my question was more with the difficulty early on in your life, did that affect how you viewed your higher power? Um, how has your view of your higher power changed? And what does that look like? What would be like the characteristics of your higher power today? Hmm. Thanks. Um, yeah, so I just was like, I feel like I was this magical little child and kind of like was looking for um fairies and magic and sunlight and um open-hearted people and as a child and um and then i think that part of me went underground for a bit um with with the difficulties and also um there was there wasn't really religion in my family of any kind or or anybody talking about spiritual things. So it wasn't, it just, I didn't, yeah, it just wasn't part of our family life really. So, um, so, and then in terms of like, I wasn't raised really with a religion. So, um, but I loved, I loved the word God. Like I just really loved the word God, like, because it has like that awe sound in it, you know, like, um, and, and so I just would move towards the things that kind of touched me or made me feel something with spirituality. And, um, I, I did, I have struggled at different times, uh, with the concept of a higher hey, power. Alice, that's, yeah. Alice, that's 620. Thank okay. you. Okay. So do I stop there then? Finish your thought. Please. Okay. <laughs> so I've struggled with it at different times, um, but uh, sort of being, like I said, like in, constantly in the seeking um, realm has really helped me to be um, sort of just letting go of what doesn't seem to really hold anything for me and keep moving towards what, what opens up my heart, what opens up my soul and, and makes me feel tingly and connected and like that child kind of seeing magic and, um, and love around me, so. Great, 